Good morning, church. It's uh, certainly good to be here, and it's a blessing to be here once again. I think this is the third time I've been here, I believe. I was here in February, I believe, of this year, earlier this year, and then I was here last year. So I think it's a good sign to be invited back, amen? <laughs> so I, I certainly thank God for that. You know, and any time I get an opportunity to share the gospel, I truly consider it a privilege. You know, Paul said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So truly, it is an honor, a blessing, a privilege to be able to come here this morning and to share a word from the Lord. You know, as I was thinking about that as well, you know, all of us should realize just how blessed we are. You know, out of the billions upon billions of people in this world, God has chosen you for salvation. You have the right to have eternal life. You have the right to forever be in the presence of God. And what a tremendous blessing that is. You know, oftentimes when we get caught up in the day-to-day -day activities of life and, you know, we all go through our trials and tribulations and our sufferings, you know, we tend to forget about that because we tend to focus on what's going on around us. But what the Lord wants us to do is to look up and to recognize and remember who he is, what he has done for you, and that he loves you with an everlasting love. And if you remember that, you can be like David who said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen? Always keep that in mind. Don't focus on what's going on around you, but look up and remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, Neil asked me today to, I guess you're doing a preaching series out of the book of Proverbs, I believe. And uh, so Neil asked me to, you know, come out of the book of Proverbs, and he asked me to speak on pride. So today we're going to come out of the 11th chapter of Proverbs, and we're going to look at the uh, second verse, just going to focus on that second verse for right now, uh, 11th chapter of Proverbs and the second verse. One little short Proverbs, one short verse here, but for those of you who know me, we're going to be looking at other scriptures as well. So Proverbs 11.2. And there it reads, <clears throat> when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly or the humble is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly or the humble is wisdom. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, O Lord, once again, Lord, for the blessed privilege, Lord, of us being able to come together here at Chester Christian Church, Lord, and just to fellowship, Lord, and to prayerfully hear a word from you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for waking us up this morning, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to enter into the sanctuary, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our family, our friends. We just thank you, Lord, for so much, Lord. But Lord, we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, who you sent to die on the cross for our sins, Lord, and to give us the right to eternal life, Lord. And so, Lord, as we gather here this morning, Lord, we just ask right now, or I just ask right now, for the filling of your Holy Spirit upon me, O Lord. And I ask and pray, Lord, as we prepare to deliver the, your word, Lord, that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, Lord, but I ask and pray that they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here simply to lift up your name, Lord, the wonderful, awesome, magnificent, precious, and just glorious name, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask for our Lord Jesus that you would strengthen me, Lord, and that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, How to Obtain the Wisdom of the Lord. All right. 
how to obtain the wisdom of the Lord. Now, the book of Proverbs was primarily written by Solomon, who was the king of Israel from 971 971 B.C. to 931 B.C., a span of about 40 years. And the first 21 chapters in the book of Proverbs were written by Solomon, as well as a portion of the remaining 10 chapters. So you can see that this book of Proverbs is primarily written by King Solomon. Now, if you recall, when Solomon first began his reign as king, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and told him to ask him for whatever he wanted to, and the Lord would give it to him. Now, as one can imagine, if if the Lord appeared to us in a dream and told us to ask for whatever we wanted to, what would we ask for? You know, we'd probably ask for money. We'd probably ask for riches. We'd probably ask for fame. We might even ask for a peace of mind. But Solomon's response was different. For Solomon didn't ask for anything for himself. You go to uh, 1 Kings, the third chapter. I'm going to read 1 Kings, the third chapter, and we're going to see what Solomon asked for. 1 Kings, the third chapter, starting with the fifth verse. And there it reads, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee, And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Because Solomon did not ask things for himself, such as long life, riches, or honor, but instead Solomon asked for wisdom, God gave Solomon greater wisdom than any man who ever lived besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he went beyond that and he even gave him riches and honor. Therefore, what we see exemplified when we look at the book of Proverbs is the great wisdom given given to Solomon by the Lord. And that gives us an indication how much we can learn by looking at the Proverbs that were written by Solomon. But not only that, for the Proverbs were written by Solomon, but not only that, they're not merely a collection of wise sayings that he had collected, But because they are contained in the word of God, we know that these Proverbs were written by God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. For Paul said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Therefore, the book of Proverbs provide instructions from God himself as to how we should live our daily life. And what we see when we take a closer look at the book of Proverbs is that the words wise or wisdom are used at least 125 times. 
And that lets us know that one of the primary aims of this book is to help us acquire and apply God's wisdom to the decisions and activities of our daily life. And the scriptures teach us that godly wisdom begins with a right relationship with the Lord. If you want godly wisdom, you've got to have a right relationship with the Lord. The key verse in the book of Proverbs can be found in Proverbs 1.7. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and, not, and instruction. I'm going to say that again. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That is godly wisdom right there. And godly wisdom is personified in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Therefore, if we want the wisdom of God, if we want the wisdom to make it to heaven, the wisdom to escape from hell, the wisdom to be a good husband, the wisdom to be a good wife, the wisdom to raise our children, the wisdom to make the right decision, the wisdom just to make it through the day, there is only one answer, and that is we must turn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the true wisdom of God. Amen? Jesus Christ is the true wisdom of God of God. Now, as we look at our text, we see several truths that can prevent us from attaining this wisdom of God, as well as, much, as well as what must take place in order to obtain God's wisdom. So today, we want to briefly take a look at a couple of these truths. Now, first of all, in our text again, Proverbs 11:2, 2, I'm just going to read the first three words there. And first of all, the first three words say, when pride cometh. We want to stop right there. When pride cometh. So one thing we see that can prevent us from attaining the wisdom of God is the ease of being lifted up in pride, all right? The ease of being lifted up in pride. In our text, when it says, when pride cometh, that gives us an indication of just how easy it is to be lifted up in pride. For the sin of pride is prevalent, has been prevalent throughout the history of mankind, and is especially true here in America. For here in America, I believe that this, this country started off on Christian principles, and I believe that's why throughout history we have been richly blessed. For we quickly became the richest nation in the world. We quickly became the most powerful nation in the world. And again, we have been richly blessed. But as a result of these blessings, many in our nation now feel that they don't need the Lord. But whenever we are blessed by the Lord, we need to be careful that we do not attribute it to our own strength, that to our own power, and we need to be careful that we do not get lifted up in pride. For if we do get lifted up in pride, the Lord has a way of bringing us down. For the warning that the Lord gave the Israelites in the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy is the same warning that he's given us today. In the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, start with us with verse 11. The Lord gave this warning to the Israelites about not being lifted up in pride. Deuteronomy, the 8th uh, chapter, start with verse 11. And there it reads, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then jumping down to verse 17, it says, And thou say, and thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. 
but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And that's why we must always remember to remain humble and not be lifted up in pride. For God's word teaches us if we are lifted up in pride, it won't be long before we're headed for a fall. One example that we looked at in Bible study was the fall of Peter. For when you look at Peter's fall before he, went, before he denied uh, uh, the Lord, before, when he denied the Lord before his crucifixion, we may not realize it, but Peter's fall all started out with pride. In the uh, 26th chapter of Matthew, we see the beginning of Peter's fall. Uh, 26th chapter of Matthew, and uh, start with verse 31. This is the beginning of, of Peter's fall here when he denied the Lord before his crucifixion. Matthew 26, 31, it says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said also all the disciples. Thus we see here the pride of Peter. For when the Lord told the disciples that all would desert him, Peter said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And that was the first warning sign. As it says in Proverbs, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit or a lifted up spirit before a fall. Then shortly after that, Peter, James, and John went with our Lord Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. And our Lord Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to watch and pray. But instead of them watching and praying, they went to sleep. And that showed that they didn't realize how weak they were and how much they needed prayer. That's why our Lord Jesus said to them, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then, when, the, when our Lord was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter drew his sword and he cut off the servant's ear. But Jesus rebuked Peter and said, all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And the reason why the Lord rebuked Peter was because even though Peter had good intentions, Peter tried to take matters into his own hands, which showed that he was being led by the flesh instead of being led by the spirit. And how often do we do the exact same thing? We may have good intentions, but instead of waiting and depending on the Lord, we immediately try to solve our own problems. We immediately try to make things right. We immediately take matters into our own hands. And instead of asking the Lord for wisdom, strength, and guidance, we go out and try to do everything on our own. But that's an indication that we are being led by the flesh instead of led, being led by the Spirit. And any time we are led by the flesh, things will never work out. For the Scripture says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Then if you continue on and look at Peter in the Gospel of Luke, we see that Peter followed Jesus in the darkness from afar off. And that's an indication that, that Peter was out, out of fellowship with the Lord. Because if we are in fellowship with him, our desire is to always be near him. But if we're guilty in sin, of sin, then we tend to try to avoid God as well as try to avoid God's people. And that's why many times people stop coming to church. Because many times people will stop coming to church and they'll blame it on the preacher. They'll blame it on the saints. They'll blame it on the church. 
They'll blame it on the parking lot. They'll blame it on all kinds of things. They have all kinds of excuses why they can't come to hear the word of God. But oftentimes, the real reason is because we got lifted up in pride, we began living in sin, and now we're trying to avoid the word because the word of God convicts us and exposes our sin. That's what Jesus meant when he said, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved or exposed. Next, we see Peter, and you can go on and look at the story of Peter. Next, we see Peter sitting down and warming himself at the enemy's fire. And that's an indication that Peter was not only physically cold, but Peter was also spiritually cold. Because the child of God is not to unite himself or herself with the world, but instead we are to separate ourselves from the world. Paul said in the, in the, sixth, chap, in the sixth chapter of 2 Corinthians, he said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And that's why the psalmist said, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Thus you can see with Peter, it was like one step after another step after another step after another step. And then the next step you see is that Peter actually denied Christ. For when the young maid, the young woman, asked Peter if he was a follower of Christ, he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice or three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Thus we see that Peter's fall did not happen all at once, but it all started with pride. And then one sin led to another sin led to another sin. And the same thing can happen to us. And that's why we need to be careful that we don't get lifted up in pride. But the good news is that even though our Lord Jesus knew that Peter would fall, he still did not forsake him. For in the 22nd chapter of Luke, even before Peter fell, our Lord said to him, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when you repent, strengthen thy brethren. And that lets us know that Jesus Christ used Satan's sifting to humble Peter. He used it to remove pride from Peter. He used it to teach Peter that he needs to place all his faith and his trust in the Lord. In the same way, the Lord sometimes will allow us to fall. He will allow us to go through trials and tribulations. He will allow us to endure heartaches and pains so that pride can be removed, so that we can recognize our own weakness, and so that we can realize just how much we need the Lord. For God can't use us if we think we're so holy. God can't use us if we think we're so righteous. God can't use us if we think we're so mighty. God can't use us if we're lifted up in pride. But just like Peter, if we repent from our pride, if we humble ourselves and acknowledge just how much we need the Lord, that's when the Lord can truly use a saint of God. And that's when we can, when we can be restored back into fellowship with him. The Lord said in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verse 7, the Lord said, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon Proverbs, the 28th chapter, says that he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And in 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, it says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
That's why we need to put away pride, humble ourselves, and begin to fully depend on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is the only way we can obtain the wisdom of God. Amen? Got to put away that pride, humble ourselves, so that we can truly obtain the wisdom of God. All right? Now let's continue on in our text, that uh, Proverbs 11th chapter, the second verse. And there it reads, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. And we're going to stop right there. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. So we saw that one thing that can prevent us from obtaining the wisdom of God is the ease of being lifted up in pride. The second thing we want to look at is the danger of being lifted up in pride. All right? The danger of being lifted up in pride. Now, pride is referred to many as the sin of all sins because it was the first sin in all of creation. If you go back to the devil's beginning and see Satan's fall, Satan fell because of pride. For Satan was originally created as Lucifer, the son of the morning. He was called the anointed cherub that covereth. He was the highest of the angelic beings. And the scripture says that he was full of wisdom and perfect in, pu- and perfect in beauty. But pride became his, his ultimate downfall because he desired to be greater than God. And that's found in the 14th chapter of Isaiah. Let's turn to that. 14th chapter of Isaiah. You may not know that this is where the description of Lucifer, how Lucifer actually turned into Satan, all right? And again, Lucifer originally was the highest of the angelic beings, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, but pride became his downfall, and that's when he became Satan, all right? The 14th chapter of Isaiah, and we're going to read verses uh, 12 through 15. And this is the uh, King James Version, all right? 14th chapter of Isaiah, starting with the 12th verse. And there it reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Five I wills right there, an indication of his great pride. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Since that time, since that time when Lucifer began lifted up in pride, Lucifer, Lucifer became known as Satan, which is the adversary or the enemy. And that gives us an indication of just how dangerous pride is. And one of the greatest dangers of pride is, if we're not careful, we can actually begin to believe, just like Satan, that we don't need the Lord. That's the way the world thinks today. For the world thinks, why do I need the Lord when I can do everything on my own? Why do I need the Lord when I've got everything that I need? Why do I need the Lord when I've got money in my pocket, a nice paying job, clothes on my back, shoes on my feet? Why do I need the Lord when everything belongs to me? And as Christians, sometimes we even fall into that same trap. And just like the Israelites, we begin to forget about God. But even if we're not guilty of that specific type of sin, all of us are still guilty of the sin of pride sometimes. Because anytime we try to do things on our own, anytime we try to solve our own problems, anytime we don't turn to the Lord, we are guilty of the sin of pride. Because basically we're telling the Lord, Lord, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. But a child of God should know beyond a shadow of a doubt, all you've got to do is to look around and realize that we will always need the Lord. Amen? Always need the Lord. David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. 
just look around to realize that you will always need the Lord. Sometimes we tend to forget that the air we breathe is exactly 70% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and if it was any different, we will all suffocate in a matter of minutes. Sometimes we tend to forget that the sun is 93 million miles away at 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If it was any closer, we'd all burn to death. Any further away, we'd all freeze to death. Sometimes we tend to forget that the earth is tilted on a 23-degree axis such that we have our four seasons. If it was any different, there'd be so many tidal waves and hurricanes that none of us could survive. And think about where we came from. We all came from a fertilized egg no bigger than a grain of sand. Every single one of us came from a fertilized egg no bigger than a grain of sand. And now we have hands, feet, fingers, toes. We all should be like that songwriter who said, if I ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now. I need him every day and every hour because we are here today, church, merely because of the grace of the almighty God. We are tremendously blessed, church, and we need to realize just how much God has done for us. And when you recognize that, how can we possibly be lifted up in pride? As Paul said, for in him we live and move and have our being. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are and where we came from so we recognize just how much we need the Lord. That's why none of us should be lifted up in pride. In addition, possibly the greatest danger of pride is that the word of God says that God hates pride. It says over and over throughout the scriptures, God hates pride, and that pride will be judged by him. We said earlier, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit, a lifted up spirit before the Lord. And the second chapter of Isaiah says, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of man, the lifted up spirit of man, shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Proverbs 16.5 says that everyone that is proud at heart is an abomination to the Lord. In other words, the Lord hates it. It's disgusting to the Lord. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though, though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Therefore, when we realize who God is, when we realize that God is on the throne, we realize that pride will be judged. What we as the church have been commissioned to do is to go out and tell the world that the only way we can escape God's judgment for our sin and for our pride is we've got to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. For the only way we can be forgiven for our sins is through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. And that's why Paul said, if we had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The world out there is dying every day. People out in the world are dying every day, and they're going to spend eternity burning in the pits of hell if we don't go out and share the gospel and let them know that sin will be judged, pride will be judged, God hates pride, God hates sin, and the only way we can be forgiven is we've got to give our life to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we've been commissioned to do. And, and, and being forgiven, you know, we got to be forgiven. We got to go to Jesus Christ and be forgiven for our sins. Being forgiven is more than simply coming to church. Just because we walk through these church doors, that doesn't mean we've been forgiven for our sins. 
Being forgiven is more than trying to be a good person. Being forgiven is more than turning over a new leaf. For as it says in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. But the only way we can be forgiven is we must receive God's great salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word of God tells us what the gospel is. The gospel says that all is sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Therefore, and, and therefore, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And this is the only way. For our Lord Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's what we've been commissioned to go out and tell the world. And God's salvation is not an option, but it is a divine necessity. For if we choose to ignore the gospel, if we choose to reject the gospel, if we choose to reject Jesus Christ, we will be judged for our sin of pride. We will be judged for our sin of rejecting the Lord. And the ultimate judgment is to spend eternity burning in the pits of hell. People don't like to hear that today. I know people don't like to hear that. But that is the truth. If we reject Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will spend eternity burning in the pits of hell. That's why Paul said, God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God has given us a gift in his son. And all we have to do is accept this gift to forever be forgiven. So many times we feel like we're not good enough for God, that we've done too many bad things, that God could never love a sin-sick wretch like me. But all you've got to do is submit yourself, give yourself, turn over yourself to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, God will forgive. And you don't have to, you don't have, all you got to do is come to him just as you are. That's why our Lord Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can obtain that rest from your problems, that rest from your burdens, that rest from life. If you just give your life to Jesus Christ. And we must come to Jesus while there's still time. Don't worry about your past. The blood of Jesus can cover it. Don't worry about your mistakes. The blood of Jesus can cover it. Don't worry about your sins. The blood of Jesus can cover it. You simply come to Jesus just as you are, for the blood of Jesus Christ covers all. And the great blessing is, once we receive Christ, our sins are forever forgiven, and we no longer have to worry about being judged by the wrath of God. The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far does it remove our transgressions from us. And Isaiah, the Lord, said that I, even I am he that blots out thy transgression for my own sake and will not remember thy sin. And Jeremiah, he said, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. There is no sin that's too great, no mistake that's so wrong, no crime that's so bad that my Lord Jesus won't forgive it if you simply place your trust in him. Therefore, let us go out and submit ourselves to Jesus Christ so that we won't be judged by the sin of pride. Amen? Amen. We've got to go out. We've been, if, first of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've got to receive him. And if we do, we've got to go out and tell the world that they need to receive him because that's the only way we won't be judged for our sin of pride. All right, last but not least, let's, let's wrap it up here. Proverbs 11th chapter, and we're going to look at the whole verse now. Proverbs, the 11th chapter, and the second verse. And there again it reads, 
when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly or humble is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly or humble is wisdom. So the last thing, we, we already saw the, e, the ease of being lifted up in pride. The second thing we looked at was the danger of being lifted up in pride. And last but not least, the third thing we want to look at is the blessing of removing pride. The blessing of removing pride. Now, the blessing of removing pride or the blessing of being humble is now that we, now as our text says, now we can obtain the wisdom of God. As the latter part of our text says, with the lowly is wisdom. And those who are wise in the scriptures are not the highly intellectual. They're not the brilliantly educated. But the wise in the scriptures are those who honestly seek to put the Lord Jesus Christ first in their heart and in their lives. As Psalms 111.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in addition, in order to obtain a better understanding of this wisdom, you know, think about what the opposite of, of one who is wise. And in the scriptures, the opposite of one who is wise is called a fool. And a fool in the scriptures is not one who is mentally deficient, as we often think of, of a fool today. But a fool in the scriptures is a man or a woman who leaves God outside of their life. A man or a woman who acts independently of the Lord. As it says, as David said in the 14th Psalm, he says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Therefore, if we think about these definitions, the scriptures teach us that those who are wise are those whose daily walk is ordered by Jesus Christ and his word. And the more we follow Christ, the more we humble ourselves, the more we remove pride, the more we will be preserved from foolishness and sin, and now we're able to obtain the wisdom of God. Sadly, as we've already seen, it's not always easy to be humble or to remain humble and to put aside pride. Because human nature as it is, this flesh as it is, we like to have things our own way. We like to do things our own way. We think that we can make it on our own. Therefore, oftentimes what the Lord has to do is that the Lord often has to humble us and teach us wisdom. And sometimes the way he does that is our ways that are not pleasant to us. For many times the way the Lord teaches us wisdom is by placing us in situations where we're all by ourselves. Sometimes he does this by placing us in situations where there's nowhere else to turn. Sometimes he does this by placing us in situations where we're all alone. And now that we're all alone, we have nowhere else to turn, we're all by ourselves, now God has our full attention, and now we begin to call on the Lord. When everything's going our way, we tend to, we tend to take life for granted. And just human nature, the way it is, we tend to forget about God. But you go through some suffering. You go through some pain. You go through some heartaches. Now we begin to call on the Lord. That's why David said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. That's what happened to Moses. You remember the story of Moses. Now, Moses, after in his zeal, remember, he killed an Egyptian because he was trying to protect one of his fellow Israelites. So he ended up killing an Egyptian. And as a result, Moses had to flee to Egypt he had to leave his family and his friends behind, and he ended up spending 40 years in what the scriptures say, call the backside of the desert. Now here Moses was all by himself. Here Moses was forced to run for his life. Here Moses initially didn't have a friend in the world. But even though that seemed like a bad thing, it was actually a good thing, because this is where Moses was taught by the Lord. For even though Moses didn't know it, even though Moses had been taught in the finest Egyptian schools, even though the scripture said that Moses was mighty in word and in deeds, 
Moses was still not fully prepared for the work that the Lord had for him to do. Therefore, the Lord sent Moses to the backside of the desert for 40 years so that he could be taught by the Lord and so that he would be ready to lead Israel out of Egypt. No school could teach Moses what he had to learn. But the only way that he could obtain the wisdom that he needed was he had to be humbled, he had to put aside any pride, and he had to spend some personal time with God. And did you know the Lord often does the exact same thing with us? For the backside of the desert is where we're forced to turn our back to the world. The backside of the desert is where we're often separated from family and from friends. The backside of the desert is where we're alone with God. The backside of the desert is where we're forced to become dependent upon him and learn the wisdom of God. That's why the psalmist said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. How many of us can say that? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. For example, you think about it. A child who doesn't know any better will scream, fuss, cry if you try to give them medicine because they don't like how it tastes. But a mature adult will gladly take that medicine because they know even if it doesn't taste very good, it's the best thing for them, and eventually it will make them well. Well, the same is true for a babe in Christ. A babe in Christ will fuss, scream, cry, complain when they're going through trials and tribulations, when they're being humbled by the Lord because they don't like what they're going through. It doesn't taste very good. But those who have grown up in Christ, those who know that all things work together for good to them that love God, those who know that nothing happens in their life that God does not allow, we are willing to gladly accept whatever God sends our way because we know that even if, it does, even if it doesn't taste very good, it will eventually make us well, and that's how we learn the wisdom of God. Again, the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. God allows us to go through some of the things that we go through, some of the difficulties in life, so that we might humble ourselves, so that we might stop relying on our own strength, so that we might learn to be obedient, so that we will submit ourselves to the, the power of God. God wants us to see that my strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants us to know that when I am weak, then am I strong. God wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. For that's how God gets the glory. For the only way you can know God is a delivering God, a strengthening God, and on time God, is sometimes you have got to go through something for yourself. That's how we are humbled and begin to learn the wisdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, I've been through it myself. Don't think I'm exempt. I've been through it myself. Sometimes you go through trials, tribulations, suffering, heartaches, pains, so you can be humbled by the Lord and begin to learn the true wisdom of God. And the good part about it is, though, when you realize that it's all a part of God's master plan, when you realize that that's how you are obtaining God's wisdom, when you realize that God is taking you through this so that you can become more and more like Jesus Christ, now I know that I can make it through anything that I have to go through because no matter what I might have to go through, Jesus Christ is in the midst of it, and he's using our trials as an opportunity for him to draw closer to him. And it's all a part of the wisdom of God. And when you realize that, you can praise God in the midst 
of whatever you might have to go through. Because God is using this as an opportunity for you to draw closer to him. Amen? Does it make sense? God takes us through difficult situations so that we can learn to draw closer to him. That's why Peter said, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And I love this part. He says, after that you have suffered a while. So he didn't say you're not going to go through some sufferings. But he says, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Paul said, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. In other words, the child of God is always victorious. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it when you're going through situations, but the child of God is always victorious. Paul said, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. A double rejoice there. No matter what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Our Lord Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. David said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And I love what it says in the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. The 43rd chapter of Isaiah says, this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. In other words, you belong to me. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Jesus Christ is the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, and he is our Savior. Therefore, we simply humble ourselves, give our, submit ourselves, and give our lives to him, we should know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's with us every step of the way. And that's why we need to put aside pride, humble ourselves, and fully depend on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ alone is the true wisdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the the knowledge and the wisdom, Lord, to know that true wisdom, Lord, can only come from you, Lord. Lord, many times you have to humble us, Lord, so that we put aside pride, so that we stop doing our things our own way, that we stop thinking that we have all the answers, and that we begin to truly begin to depend upon you, Lord. You want us to know that you are the answer, Lord, that you are the solution, Lord, and in every situation, every circumstance, everything that we go through, we need to begin to fully depend upon you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as we go through life, as we go through trials, as we go through tribulations, that we might begin to learn that lesson, Lord. And oftentimes, you know, pride gets in the way of salvation as well. Because when pride occurs in our hearts, we begin to think that we don't need the Lord, that I have everything that I need. But again, as Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. And we'll always need our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if there's anyone present today who doesn't know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray that I might be convicted of their sin, that they may come crying out and say, what must I do to be saved? 
And also, Lord, as we leave this place and prepare to go out into the world, we know that there's many out there who don't know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we pray that we might be willing to share the gospel and let them know the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our trials. We thank you, Lord, for our tribulations. We thank you, Lord, for recognizing that this, this is simply a part of the wisdom of God. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.